to another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. The Australian property market is booming right now. There are record clearance rates, record prices, houses selling way over reserve. One of the agencies in the centre of the action is Stone Real Estate. Its head of franchise and partner in the business is Luke Cameron, and he joins me now. Luke, welcome to the program. Thank you, Justin. Good to be with you. So how did you first get into the real estate game? I got into the real estate industry approximately uh, 15 years ago Mm -hmm. uh, when my mum, in fact, owned a a massage therapy business in the northern beaches of Sydney, and uh, I was fresh out of school. And there was a, a sign went up out the front uh, with the agency next door to my mum's clinic. And uh, mum encouraged me to, uh, to approach that business and, uh, and see if there were any opportunities there. And, uh, and, and yeah, fast forward 15 years, um, I've, uh, I've had varied experience um, in, in major national brands, uh, primarily on the focus of developing franchise networks. I sort of gravitated to more of the business side of the industry than the, uh, the, the traditional listing, selling and managing of property side. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the variety of working with um, a complete cross-section of business owners in, in all different markets. Okay, so it was so the, the starting point for you, though, was all down to mum, notice, noticing a sign. Indeed. And uh, <laughs> I think that, that entrepreneurial spirit... Um, was instilled in me through mum. Mum and dad uh, came from different backgrounds, mum being in business uh, at a local level, and dad, uh, he was uh, head of military justice for Asia Pacific, so specialising in war crimes and very detailed, complex matters. And uh, I I think mum and dad's traits have, have come through both my brother and I. So did you know, Luke, when you um, you said when you just finished school, presumably um, you, you didn't have much of a, an initial idea of um, what you wanted to do. Is that, is that fair enough? You were pretty open? Yeah, like, like a lot of young people coming out of school, um, not too sure. University wasn't that appealing. Um, mm-hmm. yep. I, we were brought up, as I said, Dad, coming from that military background, we were used to constantly moving and adapting. We moved house every two or three years. Uh, so we, we spent time in school in Europe, uh, in the United Kingdom, uh, Queensland, North Queensland, right. Canberra. So we were used to um, moving constantly and adapting to new markets, new areas as, as we were growing up. So those skills, I think, really um, have helped us in, professionally as, as we left, left school and entered the business world. So tell us about Stone, because as I understand it, it's a, it's a reasonably new, when I, when I say reasonably new, it, has, it hasn't been around for 50 years. Um, tell us about the business and how it began. Yeah, so Stone really, um, it was born on the northern beaches of Sydney. Okay. A very competitive marketplace. Um, my business partner owned the McGrath uh, real estate agencies on, on the northern beaches. They were run very successfully um, and to a large extent, they raised the standard of, of agency practice uh, on the beaches and it was the first step for McGrath outside of the eastern suburbs with launching the brand uh, mm-hmm. in that market. So 
the time came, the business matured to a point where it was bursting at the seams and it was looking for new growth horizons. And this is going back five, six years ago now. The decision was made to um, exit the McGrath business at the time and commence a new brand. Um, and, and that was the starting point of Stone. At that stage, the business uh, retained three officers and had six agents. So it was born from very humble beginnings. Okay. And how did, how did you become uh, to be involved in the business? Uh, so the, the business was maturing to a point where it made sense to, um, it was at, it was at a, a junction whether to uh, continue down a, a company-owned model or consider franchising. My background was in franchising. Yep. Um, having worked closely at McGrath um, with the franchisees there for many years previous, um, and with my background in networks and franchising, we collated our thinking and, and saw a gap in the broader industry for where Stone was. It could meet the needs of the industry. And we then embarked on a journey of six months, met with nearly 500 officers from a complete cross-section of brands throughout the industry to identify mm. where the needs were. Yep. And, and that became the genesis of Stone, the findings that came from those meetings. We didn't want to roll out a, another traditional business format franchise offering. We wanted to really uh, address the needs that consumers face and equally the challenges that business owners and agents face uh, and develop that, that ecosystem that was, that was aligned around improving the experience for all relevant parties. So in many ways, Luke, you're um, sort of a, a startup business of your own, of sorts, within a, within a very mature industry. So the Australian real estate industry is is very mature. It's very competitive, very cutthroat. Um, and so it was a bold move going back five or six years ago to launch mm -hmm. a new brand yep. in a fragmented, crowded, competitive market. However, the, the feedback was that uh, consumer sentiment was, was looking for a higher level of experience, an improved experience level. The feedback from the industry was that it, it was fragmented and there's, there's approximately 10,000 agencies that service all the marketplaces in Australia. There was a trend towards consolidation and we, uh, we, we saw a, a disconnect between the major national real estate brands, which have incredible brand presence and the performance of businesses at a local level. Okay. And so that became the starting point for us was how do we identify and work with market leading businesses that had significant potential? How do we realise the potential within those businesses um, by putting their interests first? And so I, I love the name. Where, where did the where did the name come from? What's the what's the genesis behind behind the name Stone? Yeah, the name. It's actually quite difficult now to register a name that that is an enabler, that <laughs> isn't restrictive. Yeah, uh, we didn't want the nightmare. name to be yeah. about an individual or group of people mm -hmm. that is restrictive and self serving. Uh, we wanted the name to be owned and passionately uh, represented at a local level. And Stone enabled, it's a strong name, it's, it's a bold name, it's an enabler, um, it's, it's, it's not too generic. And it meant that we could uh, grow throughout Australia and also into Australasia um, without any restrictions. So yeah. ultimately the name is the quality of the people that are carrying the brand at a local level. 
Okay. So um, you mentioned you mentioned growth there. So let, let's go through the growth of the business since uh, it first began uh, five or six years ago to midway through 2020. Give us a sense of how the, the business has grown. Yeah, so it's evolved from, as I said, company owned with mm-hmm. three offices and, and half a dozen agents um, to where we are now in July 2021. Uh, we've just opened our 46th franchise. Um, And we have uh, circa 270 agents um, representing the brand across the network. And we're servicing as far north as Queensland and as far south as the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria. Okay, so you're primarily east coast. Are you in other areas of uh, of Australia at the moment? Yeah, primarily east coast. Um, That was strategic. Um, And... I have just returned from New Zealand just before this latest lockdown. Mm-hmm. New Zealand is certainly on our radar. There's some incredible businesses in New Zealand. Well, the, the property market, particularly in um, around Auckland and Wellington, is uh, is going off its head. Well, in fact, New Zealand, um, Bloomberg came out with a report in the last couple of months and, and ranked New Zealand as the strongest property market for financial year 21. So... Globally, I think New Zealand and also Australia are seen as safe havens, mm. uh, highly regarded globally. Um, and there's no signs of that trend slowing. Oh, well, that's interesting. The potential um, international expansion uh, for the brand. So is that, um, obviously, it all depends because of uh, what we're going through now with COVID, but that's certainly a potential. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, the, the challenges that consumers face and industries face whether it's in New Zealand, whether it's Singapore, Southeast Asia, uh, are similar. Um, we've also had conversations with a number of uh, incredible opportunities in the US as well. Um, so, yeah, once obviously clearly borders open up and, and travel far more free-flowing, um, we will be uh, pressing the, the, the urgency on those uh, international markets as well. So, Luke, am I right in saying um, while primarily you're based in um, in metro areas of uh, East Coast um, capital cities. Um, you do have a presence uh, in the regions as well. Is that right? Yeah, indeed, and and that's meeting that demand and that that trend um, with you know the catalyst being COVID of families reconsidering their priorities, um, but also the infrastructure improvements and a lot a lot of these regional centres. Um, and, and the emerging trend of fly-in, fly-out workers, mm. um, we're, we're seeing and meeting that demand from a regional perspective. Uh, Byron Bay, for example, is a market. It's, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. sale price, incredible area. Um, it's median sale price 12 months ago. So financial year 2020 completed was circa 1.4 million. Now it's hovering around 2.7 mm. uh, and, and no sign of slowing. So... And it's not just buying. There's that's obviously a very high profile and well um, publicised example. But most regional centres are really experiencing that ripple effect of growth that's that's spilling over from the metro markets. But for people that are wanting a better quality of life, better quality time with their family, um, an incredible sense of community, the regional markets are is, is, you know you can see why they're incredibly popular now. And Luke, is that because um, people who would say traditionally work in Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane no longer physically need to be chained to their office and their their desk nine to five with flexibility? They can say, well, actually, um, 
I, I don't need to see the clients because I can do it virtually via Zoom and technology and I can work from anywhere. So as a result, why wouldn't I move to, you know, Bendigo or Ballarat or uh, Byron or Kingscliff or, you know, places, places like this? I think it's really interesting. I think certainly some industries allow for that and, and there are others that don't. They, you know, there's still a heavily reliance on face-to-face um, um, one-on-one communication. And hmm. I think, um, you know, if it was simple as Zoom and, and how the world's adapted is incredible. And it's certainly you know, having communication over Zoom or Skype uh, or Teams is, 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 you know, it's a workable strategy. But I think if that were the case, I, I think a lot of the magic occurs in, in human-to-human contact. Mm. You get a deeper sense of context with conversation and you're, you're meeting with people which mm. you can't get over a screen. So um, I, I don't think the technology will um, overtake the magic that happens when, you know, you're connecting with people face-to-face. Mm. But it's certainly a... Uh, um, a workable solution during the period we're going through at the moment. Free, frees people up and might be the uh, the influencing factor in the decision-making process to to move or to, you know, to head to the regions. Oh, indeed, indeed. And the, if the trade-off is it enables someone to be able to live and work in a community that they're passionate about and mm. it means they can travel to a metropolitan location, I mean, the reality is you can get from Sydney uh, to, to Byron Bay or, or Queensland within an hour hour and a half yeah um, that's that's as long as the taxi ride that often it can take you to the airport so <laughs> i think i think you're right and, and we, that's and i think people are understanding that perspective now but you've also got the growing trend of baby boomers that uh, are looking at um their homes are now looking a little sparse the kids have moved out and they're looking what they can get for value for money and lifestyle and and also think the trend, if, if the New South Wales government does pass the new stamp duty reforms, that is going to have a major impact on, yeah. on decisions that people are making right now. On, when they're looking at the transactional costs of, of moving, one of the biggest prohibitors is, is stamp duty. And that we're forecasting it will even out capital growth, but however, we'll more than offset with increase. We're, we're forecasting volume increase of 40 to 50% um, number of transactions. That is, um, if, if that does get up. So we, we see it as a huge positive for creating opportunities to downsize and upsize. Mm. And it's a great initiative from the state. So you mentioned, I think it was 46 franchises that you, that you now have under, under the Stone brand. What, where are some of the, the new, newer offices that you've, um, you've just opened and gone to market in? Yeah, as, as we're touching on there. So we, we are meeting that demand within the regional marketplaces. So two years ago, we had uh, no presence on the central coast of New South Wales, we've now got six offices, six okay. franchises trading yep. in that market, um, with a further three opening in, in the in the short term. Uh, Hunter Valley, um, Wollongong, but we're also our, our strength has come out of the blue chip uh, markets in Sydney and in Brisbane. Um, we, we recently launched in Mornington in, in Victoria as well. It's beautiful there. Uh, yeah, Love it's it. incredible. So. Um, and, and, and as I mentioned before, New Zealand is is will be reopening there in the, in the short term as well. So we do see a lot of correlation and interest from Australians into New Zealand uh, and vice versa. So talking about franchises, what would you say is unique 
about Stone's offering for uh, franchises or prospective franchises? I think uh, we, we recognised, and based on the feedback of, of many, nearly 500 officers prior to launching the, the brand, um, we we recognise that it is a very crowded marketplace and a lot of the traditional offerings which occupy the majority of um, franchise solutions, they're kind of doing the same thing. Mm. And in a lot of instances, there's competing interests. You'll have franchisors that are primarily motivated by opening more offices uh, and place less of a, a focus on how do we grow far more profitable, sustainable businesses at a local level. So we thought, let's invert that thinking. If we grow and play to our strengths around growing businesses, in turn, the brand will grow. And so we focused on around that organic growth early on by taking the time to understand the challenges that businesses are facing and then deploying the necessary resources for those businesses to grow and flourish. And yeah. where the business has evolved to now is that it's, the, the results have been built on that track record. And in turn, it's developed this incredible IP that new franchisees are coming in to benefit from with a community of like-minded principles, which is unique. Um, in, in franchising and real estate in Australia. So, um, Luke, what sort of support then does, does Stone offer its agencies? It starts with that initial conversation. So we, we enter what we call the discovery phase where we have a series of meetings to get to understand the challenges, the strengths and weaknesses that a business is facing. Mm. Based on those early discovery conversations, um, we can then deploy, as I mentioned, the resources that we've got at our disposal to fulfill the, those challenges um, and then instill a sense of confidence and belief in the owners of the business that we can realise their, their greatest potential. Um, so it's a case-by-case basis. Uh, then we underpin those strategies, those resources with like-minded principles in the group where they can see where they can relate to a business owner that is where they are currently and where they've grown to. They can then see what's possible with a peer that's not too far from where they're located. Uh, so it's a team approach to uh, to realising the potential of a franchisee's business. What it is not is, which is where a lot of brands compete, is in and around rolling out a new technology solution, a new branding concept, which essentially all it's doing is putting wallpaper over cracks. Mm. It's the skill, I think, in, in a business realising its potential and from a franchising perspective is understanding, taking the time to understand the challenges uh, and shifting the mindset of that business owner before you can deploy the solutions. Because ultimately in real estate, you can have the best technology, you can have the best brand, but if you haven't got the best people, um, it's, it's brands make promises, but ultimately it's people who deliver experiences. The fabric of this industry is its people. So how do, you, how do you guys at Stone go about attracting the best type of, uh, of people for the business from, you know, from the agents all, all the way through to the admin staff? Yeah, so from a high-level perspective, from a franchisee perspective, we deliberately from the outset have not spent a dollar on marketing for franchisees. Mm-hmm. We wanted to focus on the growth and productivity of the existing network let our track record do the, the, the talking. So we, we rely heavily on word of mouth in attracting like-minded principles to the organization. At a local level, we put very specific growth um, and people and culture plans in place. And every individual business 
has its own culture, its own personality, and we want to play to those strengths. Every community is different. Um, we've got offices servicing uh, harbour front properties in, in Sydney Harbour, all the way through to miners' cottages in Cessnock. Every mm. culture, every community is different. So it's not a one-size-fits-all corporate approach to business growth. Uh, it, it's about understanding the objectives of that business owner and align people with um, that primarily the values align to that principle. They're going to add and develop the culture that's already exist in existence in that business, not people that are self-serving, um, ego-driven. They are looking out for the greater good of all key stakeholders, whether it's their clients or staff from within. So, look, a lot of people are obviously transacting property every day, and as part of that process, they need an agent. Well, most most of the time, they they need an agent to help in that process. So, what are the things if um, if I'm inviting COVID to one? Let's put COVID to one side. If I'm inviting yeah. three or four or five different real estate agencies and their agents into my home for a a meet and greet, what what are some of the things I should be looking for as a seller? Um, in a in a good real estate agent, um, I think value alignment is really important. I think ultimately you're you're going to be choosing an agent that you feel most comfortable with, that has demonstrated a clear track record of performance, um, and uh, it's a very personal choice. Mm. Uh, and it, that that's really the key. Is I'd also be speaking with potential clients that agents have sold for in the past and get a really honest view. There's also some great tech platforms out there now that give really transparent feedback around the experience that agents are delivering. Oh, yeah. Okay. But primarily, the, the agent's role is to remove stress and deliver. Because yeah, it is, you're right, it is a very stressful time. And, and primarily, we, we see that as the role of the agent is to remove stress and instill a sense of confidence and certainty um, and maximising the result for that client. So... That's really the primary focus of, of the agent. What about what about those people that say, well, you don't really need an agent. You can actually do it all yourself, save a lot of money. Why pay them commission? Um, how do you how do you answer that? Oh, no doubt. And that, that will always make up a percentage of, of the marketplace. Um, but uh, equally, if, if you were, you know, if you were looking for open heart surgery, you wouldn't be looking at operating on yourself. You'd be <laughs> the best surgeon Absolutely not. And it's no different. When you're working with your biggest asset, um, it, it can be costly in a false economy considering it doing yourself. Um, but uh, what what you're investing is the track record and the experience, the network, the yeah. strategies and the marketing firepower, the negotiation skills that the agent's deploying. Um, and that that really will, will more than offset the, uh, the commission that, that's payable to the agent. When does that whole process break down? Generally, in your experience, is it is it is it generally because of the the vendor with overly ambitious um, sites on a you know a record price and you know they just can't budge and you know read the room that the market might be telling them something different? Yeah, I think it it, all, it comes down primarily to the motivations and the reasons why that vendor is is choosing to sell. Mm. Um, and if it is just price, um, and there is a, a, a you know, a number that's fixed in the mind of that owner, um, then, it, you know, once once the agent has taken that vendor through that process, um, the market ultimately will dictate what that result will be. Mm. It's the agent's responsibility to maximise that result during that campaign. It's then ultimately up to the vendor whether they choose to accept that 
the, the best result that the vendors been presented with. When, when is it um, a good time to um, to either put your property up for auction or take it for say a, a private treaty sale? Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of consumers have had experience at auction. Mm. Um, some perceive it to be quite a stressful experience. However, it's important to understand that the auction process isn't just limited to the auction itself. The property is on the market leading up to the day of auction. Yes. Uh, and in some cases, if it is passed in post-auction. So there are three opportunities in reality for a home to sell at auction. Um, but what it does do, it essentially is private treaty, which is the alternate method of sale, uh, which are the two most popular methods of sale, private treaty and auction. Auction pipe really is private treaty with a deadline. Hmm. And in any successful negotiation, it's it's bringing urgency to a point. Uh, and that, that's why auction is such a successful method of sale because it gives the agent a focus, gives the vendor and the buyers a focus um, to achieving a result. So that is why it is such a popular method of sale here in Australia. Less so globally. Is that um, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah, less so globally. It is starting to emerge as a trend in the US in small pockets, um, but generally, um, and New Zealand, it's still very popular as well. But uh, uh, it, it is uh, uh, it is traditionally proven to be uh, in most markets the most successful form of maximising a sale price because of the urgency and the focus that it gives all stakeholders through the sale process. What um, what trends, if anything? Apart from you know, think things are pretty hot at the moment. Uh, are you seeing in the uh, in the Australian property market at the moment, Luke? Um, real estate's a spectator sport. Um, you know, you go for a walk uh, now. Every second conversation, people are talking about real estate. So, um, I, the trends in terms of housing, obviously, the needs of homes have shifted with COVID, um, and I think that. Um, there will continue to be strong demand as investors look for yield. Um, it, it, so much of our economy depends on a strong housing market. So mm. it's seen as a safe haven from an investment point of view, but we've also got the emotional connections that with, with shelter and, and basic, meeting basic human needs. So I, I, we're incredibly excited to be involved in the industry, making a difference um, and, and helping to remove some of the stress from what can be quite a complex um, situation. But, in terms of trends, there will continue to be that trend towards regional markets, more lifestyle markets from an investment point of view. You will still see strong yields and returns generated in those in those areas. You mentioned COVID before. Um, obviously, it's um, impacted every single part of um, global uh, economies. What? Um, how has that changed the way you do business in the real estate game when there's you know there's lockdowns there's open for inspections that are no longer possible. Um, how hard has it been for, for, for agents um, across, across Australia to, to still get the job done during um, uncertainty? I think the first lockdown, what's that, 12 months ago now, um, or nearly 18 months ago now, uh, that was a shock to the system for a lot of businesses, for, for all of society. Yep. Um, when, when you're looking at lockdown three and four and in Victoria now five, um, we're, we're battle hardened. I think we know we've got processes that we can revert back to as we enter in lockdowns. Um, with respect to inspections, yeah, how do they, how do they work? 
Well, depending on the state, the laws do vary. Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, one-on-one inspections are still occurring even in lockdown conditions, uh, generally speaking. So what it does mean for the agent is that they're now doing a lot more one-on-one inspections through those properties that are on the market. Right. Um, like by, by appointment, yes, turn up at this time and correct. wear a mask and yeah, all of that. Yep. So what might have taken half an hour at an open home in non-lockdown uh, times, now it's taken five hours to get through the same amount of inspections <laughs> on a property. So, so what a nightmare that, for you guys. It, it's just adjusting. Um, yep. But equally, yep. the, it, in terms of volumes, markets are still performing. Been, markets have they become are. Yeah. consumers are battle hardened. They know now understand the process. Consumers are now used to bidding online with with the, with uh, auctions now being streamed digitally. So auctioneers mm. have adapted. Consumers have adapted, um, and, and I think that's it, it. Just shows the resilience of of real estate and as an asset class, how well it has performed. But equally, um, why there is so much interest in in real estate here in Australia. It also can probably remove a lot of the tire kickers as well, where, you know, if it's just the neighbor popping in for a sticky beak, if if it's by appointment, you really sort of bring that um, level of seriousness um, with an intention to potentially make an offer certainly up, doesn't it? Oh, no doubt. And anyone who's on the market or is looking at property right now, they're, they're, they're serious. So yeah. there is a lot of opportunity even in lockdown periods and, um, yeah, that's uh, is what has been incredible is just how well everyone's adapted and um, now is is not necessarily reacting emotionally. It's just about following this process and we're going to get an incredible result. And most of the time these days, like the photographs of, of any property are beautiful. Some, a lot of the times there are videos as well. So it's all there on your computer screen. Correct. There's virtual tours now. Agents are doing walkthroughs. Um, so Yes, it's not as impactful as being at the property. However, you can still get the sense of the aspect, the view, get a feel for the property um, uh, if you can't physically attend yeah, um, yeah. a one-on-one inspection. Well, Luke, it's been great catching up with you. Thank you very much for your your insights on, uh, on Stone, how it began, and uh, the Australian property market more broadly. It's um, certainly, I'm seeing Stone uh, real estate signs a lot, a lot more. Uh, and I know it's a it's a brand on the rise, and we will uh, we will watch the progress of Stone with much interest over the over the years ahead. So, Luke Cameron, partner, Stone Real Estate. Thanks for joining us on the Unicorns today. Pleasure, Justin. Thank you so much.